All right, we're continuing our series called Elephants in the Room. Um, I, you know, this uh, June, we got to go to South Africa, and uh, after a week of ministry, we went um, to, to a, a preserve and got to see some of those elephants up close, and those are big jokers, and they're intimidating. And at one point, uh, there was an elephant. He was walking down the road where we were, our safari thing was driving. And uh, we were like, he was slowing us down. And, you know, I don't do so well with traffic, even if it's elephant traffic. And I told the guy, I was like, hey, so can we pass him? He's like, no, you do not pass an elephant. I'm like, really? He's like, oh, yeah, that really makes them mad. They will destroy your car. I was like, really? Well, then just go ahead, Dumbo, you know. <laughs> So, um, yeah, yeah. So elephants in the room, if you don't know, is when we tackle difficult subjects. We just face them head on, maybe a little uncomfortable, but we do it anyway because it's the right thing to do. Last week we talked about uh, divorce. I've heard from so many of you guys that you were really set free during last week's message. And if you missed it, all of our messages uh, are on CD in the Welcome Center. Uh, you can find them online uh, on our website, vfcthomasville.org, or uh, on a podcast platform platform. So I encourage you to get some of those. We, we learned that um, since God uh, created marriage, he gets to determine the boundaries of marriage. Uh, we learned that divorce is clean up, and we learned that having been divorced in the past does not disqualify you uh, from ministry. And so um, I encourage you, you know, if that's part of your story, it's now his story, okay? And, uh, and let him use it for his glory. Today's elephant is not taboo or uncomfortable as much as it is just kind of confusing and divisive. Um, There's just a lot of opinions on this uh, when it comes to the role of Christians and Jews, Israel, the the Hebrews and Christians and Gentiles, and there's just so much in Scripture about it, and it can get confusing. Let me just tell you, this is a primer. This is an overview, okay? I I don't have sufficient time to go into detail. I'd love to talk about it uh, if you want to email me and talk about some stuff. Um, But what we find is that uh, some churches seem to be obsessed with the Jewish roots of Christianity, and then other churches tend to just ignore it altogether. And so where where do we land as VFC, and what are the things that we are wanting to avoid? Well, first of all, I want to tell you really quickly about two theological ditches. These are two extremes that I want us as a church to avoid um, and and, and make sure now, because here's the thing, at VFC, if you don't know already, there's not a theological test that we make you take in order to fellowship with us. We, we have people that believe uh, all sorts of things uh, that, are, that are, you know, within uh, classic Christian beliefs. And, and it, we're, it's kind of like a spectrum of, of belief. As long as Jesus is Lord and the only way to the Father, we're good to go, okay? So we're not trying to create this hoop for anyone to jump through. Um, but, but I do want to make sure that we don't get in error. And so I want to tell you about two uh, of, these, of these ditches that we don't want to fall into, Okay. And the first one is this. It's called dual covenant theology. Dual covenant theology. This is the idea um, that, that the Jewish people, because they were God's originally chosen people, uh, that they have a covenant with God that's different from God's sending his son Jesus to the earth. So while everyone else connects to the Father through Jesus, the Jews uh, in this theological framework are, are an exception 
to that rule. They don't have to um, connect to the Father through Jesus. Um, and, and, and so they've got their own covenant going, running concurrently with the, with the covenant that we as Gentiles have. All right, you with me? This is not a scriptural thing, okay? It, it, it goes too far towards trying to honor the Jewish tradition of our Christian heritage, okay? It goes too far. Uh, you can look, and just scripture is plain. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He was talking to Jews when he said that. And if you go to the original Greek, the word no one means no one. So it's through Jesus and Jesus alone. Galatians chapter 3, 28 and 29, and I'm going to be going through a bunch of scripture. We're not going to look up all of it for the sake of time. I encourage you, I always encourage you, do it on your own. Make sure that what I say is what scripture says. But it says there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither Jew or Gentile. And so um, as as, as far as God is concerned, the blood of Christ has been applied equally no matter what your spiritual heritage is. Romans 3.21, let's turn there really quickly. Romans 3.21. It's talking about the fact that um, the law was the old way of receiving righteousness. And it tells us something interesting about the law. We'll start at verse 20, actually. It says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. See, the purpose of the Mosaic law, the purpose of the Old Testament law wasn't to bring righteousness to people because they couldn't keep the law, right? If he wanted people to be able to keep the law, he should have made it really, really easy. But instead, the law was really, really tough. He said the, the reason for this law was not because it brought about righteousness. The reason for this law, okay, was to show you that we're sinful and we need a Savior. Verse 21. But now... But now infers a change, right? But now as opposed to then. You with me? So that means something has changed. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Verse 22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in who? Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So Jesus is the plan of salvation for everyone, is what Scripture clearly says. Now, God's promise of salvation to the Jews is still in effect. God didn't change his promise of salvation, but he changed the method of salvation by making Jesus, not the law and the sacrifice system, the point of connection. Are you with me? So that's dual covenant. Here's the other one. It's called replacement theology. It's on the other side. Replacement theology, the theological term is supersessionism. The replacement theology is the idea, okay, since Jesus came and the Jews rejected Jesus, therefore, we Gentile Christians actually are replacing the Jews as God's chosen people. Well, that's not what Scripture says either. (laughs) And the problem is with the phrase replace. We, we, We don't replace anyone. We're actually grafted in. If you look at Romans chapter 11... Romans chapter 11. Read 1 and 2. It says, I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. 
I myself am an Israelite, this is Paul talking, a descendant of Abraham and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. No, God has not rejected his own people who he chose from the very beginning. See, God has not rejected the Jews. He's just opened, he's just added us to the guest list. Okay, let let me give you an example. Y'all are staring at me like, what? Okay, football season's about to start. Amen, hallelujah, okay? At some point during football season, I'll probably invite some people over to my house, or I'll get invited over to someone's house. Let's say I invite my dad over to my house to watch football, right? And, and uh, you know, we're hanging out, having a good time. And he's like, yeah, you know, he's a family member. We're, we're good friends, we're whatever. And then all of a sudden, the doorbell rings and, he, and finds out that I also invited Eric over for the game. I didn't, by inviting Eric over, I didn't uninvite my dad. He's family. He was first. But my inviting of Eric to the party doesn't mean that I uninvited dad. He's still welcome. Okay? And so that's, that's, what, it went, that's what the father did for us. With, with Jesus, he opened the doors of salvation. He said, look, everyone is welcome now. That doesn't mean that he rejected the Jews. And it doesn't mean that we replaced the Jews. It just means that we've been grafted in and we are in addition to what he did with the Jews. Amen? So I, I want to, so now that we've got that out of the way, the two extremes, I want to spend the rest of my time, and I'm going to be going quick because I'm a little short on time. But I want to try to answer three questions that tend to cause some division and confusion, okay, regarding Jews and Christians. And here's the first one. How Jewish do you have to be to follow Jesus? Now, now some, I hear y'all chuckling. <laughs> some people... Some people think that by embracing the Jewishness and, and the, the Hebrew roots of our faith, it somehow makes them an, a special grade of Christian. And, and I'm going to talk about that in, in, in detail in just a second. The answer is not at all. You do not have to, in any way, shape, or form, to embrace, especially Judaism, which we'll talk about in a little bit, or embrace the Jewishness of our, uh, the, the roots of our faith. This, this question was determined exhaustively by the Council of Jerusalem. You can actually read if you're into reading elders' board minutes. We have, uh, we have a record of this meeting in Acts chapter 15. And I'm just going to kind of browse through it really quickly. What's happening, um, we'll start at verse 4, is Paul and Barnabas come back and report to the church at Jerusalem, which is predominantly Jewish, and they start telling them how God is saving um, the Gentiles, not just the Jews. And they're really happy, and they're welcomed by the church, and everyone's like, hey, that's awesome. Uh, and then, verse 5, but some of the believers, the Jewish believers, who belong to the sect of the Pharisees, oh, those Pharisees, see, they just weren't giving Jesus a hard time, stood up and insisted, the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. All right, Jesus is our Jewish Messiah, so they've got to convert to Judaism. They've got to convert to our way of doing things. Then they can believe on our Messiah. Okay, that was, that was what they were insisting. So the apostles and the elders, verse 6, met together to resolve the issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, I would not want to be there. Peter stood up and said, Brothers, you know that God chose me from among some of you uh, to preach to the Gentiles so they could hear the good news. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts the Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit. He made no distinction between us, meaning Jews, and them, non-Jews, for he he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear, meaning the law? No one could even keep the law, right? So why would we try to make Gentiles keep a law that we couldn't even keep, right? 
We believe that we're all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of God. Everyone listens, and, and they, Paul gives a report. Then, starting in verse 19, James, who was the pastor of the church of Jerusalem and Jesus' brother, he says this, My judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and consuming blood. So here's what happens. So big question. How Jewish do you have to be? They say, you don't have to be Jewish. But there are three things we really want you to know about, okay? One, idol worship. You can't be a Christian and worship idols. You can't eat the meat that was sacrificed to the idols. You, just, you need to keep yourself away from idol worship. Okay. Second thing, sexual immorality, it'll destroy you. It'll mess you up big time. Can't play with it. Okay. Don't do that. Uh, thirdly, um, don't eat blood. <laughs> That's what it means, things strangled. Uh, one version says things drowned. The, the reason that was an issue because the blood was still in the body. Okay, so when it says don't eat uh, meat of strangled animals or consuming blood, that's the same thing. That's the okay. They're saying, look, in Jewish culture, blood was like a really big deal. If you were a priest and 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 you had been ceremonially clean to perform your task, if you you weren't allowed to come in a, a certain amount of feet from someone who had like an open sore, like it was a really, 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 really big deal to them. And so they said, okay, this just really freaks us out, and you Gentiles do this. Just, just drain the blood, guys. Come on. <laughs> okay? That's the three things. Don't worship idols, avoid sexual immorality, and don't eat blood. <laughs> That's it. That's the only burden they decided to put on the Gentiles. And so we don't have to be in any way, shape, or form Jewish to follow Jesus. Now, most of you probably already knew that, but here's the thing. Sometimes we feel like doing Jewish things, Hebrew things, garners favor with God and like makes us more spiritual. Look, if you connect to Jesus by studying the Jewish heritage of Christianity, that's awesome. Go for it. Like seriously, you are free to do that, okay? Some people like to observe feasts. The, the, the Jewish feasts were all about Jesus anyway. And, and, and so, you know, if you want to observe feasts, that's cool. But don't think it makes you a better class of Christian. Because the power in your relationship with God is not through the, the, the Hebrew history of it. It's through your faith in Jesus. God meets you where you are. If you're looking at the Hebrew calendar, you're like, it's Rosh Hashanah. God's going to do something amazing in my life. Okay, that's cool. God's going to meet you there in the Hebrew calendar. If it's January 1st, the new year of the Gregorian calendar, you're like, God, I'm ready to make a new start. God's going to meet you there too. But so, well, the Hebrew calendar is, no, 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 no. It's about faith in Jesus. It's about faith in Jesus. Take communion. Take communion with, with whatever you want to. I mean, some, we use Walmart bread and Walmart grape juice, okay? I think. I don't even get all this stuff. But yeah, we use bread and grape juice, right? And, and I've had people like, well, no, we should really use this certain type of bread because that's what Jesus said. Well, he used wine. You want to use wine? Oh, no, no. Well, don't be religious about this. I've taken communion with Diet Coke and animal crackers before, and it was good. <laughs> As a matter of fact, one Sunday when we take communion here, I, I want to use cornbread and sweet tea. I'm not kidding. Why? Because that's what our culture eats. Back then was what their culture eats, and there's not some sort of special class of Christian that says, well, I'm eating what Jesus ate back then. That's what they had back then. That's what they ate. 
Eat whatever you eat in faith. Okay? Colossians 2, 16 and 17, I think is a really good place for us to land on all this. He says this. Don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days, for new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. The Sabbath, okay, guys, okay. The Sabbath is on Saturday. The Sabbath is not Sunday. If you want to be right, don't say, well, it's the Sabbath. Let's go worship God. The Sabbath is Saturday, okay? It's the day of, it's always been Saturday. It'll always be Saturday. We meet on Sundays because it's the day that Jesus resurrected, the first day of the week. And it was the tradition that the early Christians started. They would gather and worship Jesus on the first day of the week. So that's what we do. But this is not the Sabbath. Yesterday was the Sabbath. Okay? But he's like, well, we've got to keep the Sabbath. <laughs> Scripture says that the Sabbath was, was a, a symbol of things to come. Actually, let's just look at this. So, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you do or don't do regarding eating, drinking, celebrating holy days, new moon ceremonies, Sabbaths. For these rules, look at this, these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. The message version says, all those things are mere shadows cast before what was to come. But the substance is Christ. The substance. Imagine you and I are speaking outside. It's a sunny day. We're standing against a wall. And then all of a sudden, we're talking, right? And then you see my shadow and your shadow on the wall. You're like, oh, cool, look at that, look at our shadows. And then you turn from me and you look at the shadow and you address my shadow the rest of the conversation. That'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Look, if you like shadows, go for it. Like shadows, and you can connect, you know, it's a different perspective of who I am if you're looking at my shadow. But I don't think we should substitute the shadow for the real. And so all these things that if you, if you want to get into, you know, the, 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 if you want to go to a Seder meal, that's cool. It, it's, a, it's a way that you can connect to the roots of your faith. But don't think that, like, God's like, oh, sweet, finally. He wants your heart. He wants your faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we don't have to be Jewish in order to follow Jesus, okay? Here's the next question. What role does the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, play in the life of a believer? Well, scripture is really clear. It's very useful to us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, at the time that was written, Paul's writing Timothy, there was no scripture other than Old Testament scripture. So he's talking about the Old Testament, what we know now as the Old Testament. He's talking about the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, right? He's talking about all, all, all the scripture. He's like, look, it's profitable. Even for New Testament Christians, it's profitable. But it's useful and profitable only when it's read in context and in light of Jesus. In context, see, y'all, the Old Testament is filled with history, with poetry, with law, with prophecy. Now, and this may shock some of you, and, and I promise I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. But not all of the Old Testament applies to you as a Gentile believer. You've got to be careful. Some of it, I'll take for it, people caught in adultery were stoned. You don't do that, do you? Please say yes, you, that you don't do that. Okay. Right? So that doesn't apply for you, apply with you. you know, I heard people say, you can't pick and choose the parts of the Bible. Yeah, you can. As long as, you're, as long as you're reading things in context and you're viewing it through the lens of Jesus. 
John 5, 39, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and goes, you search the scriptures because you think in them you find salvation, but the scriptures testify of me. If you're reading the Old Testament and you're not viewing it through the lens of Jesus, you're reading it wrong. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 3 says this. I'm reading the New Living. It says, long ago... God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. God spoke through the prophets. So when you read the prophets in the Old Testament, that's God. It's, it's, it's Bible. It's the word of God. But, verse 2, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, Jesus. Verse 3, the son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. Did God speak through the Old Testament prophets? Yes. Can he still speak? Absolutely. His Holy Spirit can illuminate what's said, bring life to you. But it's got to be read through the lens of Jesus. Because Jesus is the most recent, clearest depiction of what God is like. Jesus reveals the character and the heart of God. You don't want to read the word of God without understanding the character of God. Or you'll begin to think wrong things about who he is. So the, the Jewish scriptures uh, are useful to us, profitable. I use that word because it's what 2 Timothy 3 uses. But it's only when you read it in context and you read it through the lens of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Here's the last question. How do we bless Israel? In light of Genesis 12, 3, where it says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. How do we bless Israel? How do we, how do we as Christians, who know that we don't have to be Jewish, who know that we don't have to uh, you know, it, uh, consult anything Hebrew in order to follow Jesus, how do we bless Israel and keep our promise to God? I might stretch some of you with this, okay? So, you ready? Here's the first one. Don't support Judaism and politics. And are you like, wait a minute, what? Hold on a second. First of all, Judaism. Judaism is the Jewish religion that rejects Jesus as the Messiah. If you are, if you are trying to help and love and bless a Jewish person, but you aren't bringing them to Jesus, you are not helping them. You're not helping them. There, there is an, and maybe some of you fall in this and, and in this category, but there's a, a sect of Christians that are hoping that temple, the temple gets rebuilt and that sacrifices start being made again. What? Jesus Christ was sacrificed once and for all for everyone. That's an affront to the blood of Jesus, y'all. Judaism, this, I'm not trying to be offensive here. Judaism is a false religion. It's what happens in the absence of Jesus. And we, we shouldn't try to help our Jewish brothers and sisters connect to God through a system that God says is not his plan of salvation. Now, I'll also say politics. And, and, and he, look, if, if you want to uh, be in favor of the nation of Israel uh, that exists now in the Middle East and support their policies, that's fully your right. You can do that, but don't think that it's a spiritual matter. And here's why. Politics is an earthly kingdom, and it's a bad substitute for a spiritual kingdom. Spiritual problems require spiritual solutions, 
And Jesus is the spiritual solution to our spiritual problem of salvation. So you can stand with whoever you want. You can pick whatever side you want. Jesus still loves you. Okay? But, but don't think you are helping. Your, if you want to help your Jewish brother, if you really want to bless them, you will not encourage them to embrace an earthly kingdom that's a bad substitute for a spiritual kingdom. Do you understand my heart there? You're free to go with whoever you want to. But just be super, super careful that you're not, that you're not implementing wrong solutions. Here's another way that we can bless Israel is recognize the priority of Israel. There is a scriptural priority that we see in Israel uh, in, in uh, how the gospel is spread. Romans chapter 1. Verse 16, it talks about uh, the, uh, the, the message of the cross is salvation to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. So the Jew first and then to the Gentile. There is a priority when it comes to preaching the gospel. It, there are five times in the book of Acts when Paul's on his missionary journeys, you can read specifically, I can give you the references later, where he goes into the synagogues first. When he came into a city, he went into the Jewish synagogue first, and he preached Jesus. And only then, after he preached to the Jews, would he preach to the Gentiles. Why? Because there's a priority placed in Scripture. This is why we, as a church, we make sure that we support a ministry called Yeshua Israel that preaches the gospel to Jews. Because I don't think it's right to preach the gospel to the Gentiles until you've also preached the gospel to the Jews. Because there's a priority to the Jew first. And then to the Gentile. And so I think we can bless, um, we can bless the Jews uh, by bless Israel by recognizing the priority. And lastly, if you want to bless Israel, guys, you need to tell them that Jesus is their Messiah. Now you, now you do this lovingly and you, don't, you, know, you aren't abrasive. And there's been some bad history with how the Christian church has, has, has uh, treated uh, uh, the Jewish people, and it's terrible. And anti-Semitism has no place in the house of God. I mean, it's just, that's not anything that we want to embrace. But at the same time, you don't lie to someone because you love them. You tell them the truth in love. And so, um, you know, if we truly want to bless Israel, we truly want to stand, stand with Israel, then stand for their Messiah. Stand for the solution to their spiritual heart. The sin sin that's in my heart. The sin that's in your heart. It's in their heart. And Jesus is that solution. Amen? We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem is what we're told to do. And I think we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But I think the way that we pray for the peace of Jerusalem is that we ask God to bring revival through his son Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would just come and, and would just take over in that area, in the Middle Eastern area, that the Lord, I mean, God, guys, and you, don't, you hear the bad news on the news, but there's good news. Jesus is appearing literally to, to Muslims in their dreams. You can, there are reports that people stand outside of, um, uh, of, of the Muslim churches there, and, the, and they'll say, hey, if you've seen the man in white in your dreams, come, before you go in, come, come see me. And like a third of the people will go see they're all having dreams about Jesus, and they're all, the Lord is doing amazing things over there, okay? Let, let, let's pray for the peace of Jerusalem in the way that God's asking us to pray. 
and let's apply God's solution to humanity, which is the blood of Jesus, to God's originally chosen people, the Jews. Amen? And that's my question to you this morning is, will you pray for the peace of Jerusalem? The peace. Not that one side wins the war. The peace of Jerusalem. The peace of Jerusalem. Amen? Let's stand for prayer.